Hi, everyone. Welcome to Teaching Matters, a podcast that explores all matters related to teaching and learning. This program is produced by NPR affiliate WOUB Public Media in Athens, Ohio. I'm your host, Scott Titsworth, Dean of the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University. You know, when I was going through graduate school, uh, one of the topics that I was really interested in um, for a number of years was actually how education reform movements tended to pop up over and over again. And one of the one of the issues that I became very fascinated by because of my own interest in uh, technology was the rhetoric of education reform that stemmed out of the Sputnik area area era when the Soviet Union launched the first satellite. And, and as a result of that, uh, there was a great deal of movement to integrate science, technology, engineering, and math, or what we now just call STEM, uh, into education um, across the country. We're going to be talking about that issue, but we're going to actually get more specific and talk about STEM as it relates to computer science. My guest today is Dr. Whitney Dove. She's CEO of Ellipsis Education, an educational resource company specializing in computer science curriculum and professional development. Prior to joining Ellipsis in 2021, Dr. Dove was with the National Institute of STEM Educators and also a science teacher in the Houston area, Humble ISD. Uh, Whitney, thank you so much for being on the program today. Thank you, Scott. It's great to be here. Yeah, I, I, I want to start uh, by having you, because I think we have a lot of listeners that will hear the phrase computer science and think they immediately know what that means from sort of a curriculum standpoint, and maybe even just a field. But can you kind of define how you would operationalize what traditional computer science curriculum is all about? Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate the opportunity to do so. There are a lot of misnomers around the topic of computer science. So it is important for us to sort of operationally define that and give it some boundaries. For us, what it means is the study of computers and also the practical application of computers. So not only are students learning about hardware components, software applications, the living and learning safely online through the lens of digital citizenship, but they're also beginning to interact with some developmentally appropriate programming concepts so that they have a base level understanding of how to also use computers as part of their everyday life and are developing some really important skills that actually transcend disciplines such as critical thinking, creativity, computational thinking, mm -hmm. problem solving, and the like. Now, I know that you're, you are operationalizing that from someone who's you know, immersed in this on a daily basis. As you've encountered how computer science is taught, you know, I'm sure it's varied from one district to another and one state to another, et cetera. But do you, do you find that a typical computer science program uh, that you would encounter would have that breadth of instruction or does it tend, or does it tend to be you know, more focused on certain aspects of it? Yeah, definitely the latter. As we are encountering different software solutions and computer science curricula that are that are emerging onto the market, we find that they're generally distilling into what, what I'll call two categories of things. The first category of things is in the realm of gizmos and gadgets. So <laughs> li little robots, mm -hmm. um, different cute programs that students can get on online and are really focused around just the coding piece. Mm -hmm. um, and so within that gizmos and gadgets, there's, there's a lot of room for students to become interested in computer science. It definitely gives them earlier exposure to the discipline of computer science, but, but we find something is missing in that category of things. And so we cast ourselves 
in the second category, which is teacher-led instruction. So one of the things I uh, am constantly talking about is how important it is for us to apply what we know works well in teaching and learning into this new and emerging discipline of computer science. So our curriculum takes a very different shape and it looks more like a traditional curriculum like that you would see in math or science or social studies and and has all of the bits and pieces that a teacher needs to be successful and effective in their classroom and definitely goes well beyond the gizmos and gadgets interpretation. The, the gizmos and gadgets, I, I'm familiar with that. And, and uh, embarrassingly, I'll tell you that, that our college has some of those robots that we loan mm-hmm. out to, to people. Um, do you think that becomes a barrier for some students uh, from them wanting to progress into the field? I mean, I know that the idea behind uh, things like the robots or drones or, or uh, things like that is to help ease them into it. But it's also a very narrow interpretation based upon what you said. Do you think that narrow interpretation is a barrier for people? It's a great question and, and a, a really good point that I haven't spent a whole, whole lot of time thinking about. So I'm responding to it sort of in real time with you. I do think so. I, I do think that by casting that very narrow interpretation, we seed misconceptions in students. And as you know, misconceptions are a barrier to developing accurate conceptualizations of topics and phenomenon. So by pulling out that piece, which is robots, or pulling out that piece, which is you know, engineering in a very specific manner, then we are forgetting about the broad and holistic view of computer science, which is important for students to develop a clearer picture of the discipline as a whole. So I appreciate that answer. And can you talk a little bit, because I, I, I appreciate the fact that you view computer science as being a much more holistic uh field of study that is important for students. Why do you think that computer science is is such an important field of study? I mean, why do you advocate for us focusing on that as opposed to some other type of engineering or, or math or whatever? Sure. So, you know, my background is, as, as you talked about in the intro a little bit, I was at the National Institute for STEM Education prior to. And so I came up through a world where we looked at STEM as this transcendent way of teaching and learning that could be done in math and could be done in social studies and in every other content areas and was really focused not so much on the content itself, but on the how the teaching took place. So it became less about individual disciplines and more about what I uh, have coined just good teaching, those, those teaching practices that are tried and true and do develop within students deep and meaningful learning and also pave the way for them to be engaged in some timely educational topics with the hope that, you know, they would become interested in these things and pursue STEM careers that are related. So I say that to say that it has been a bit of a transition for me even to embrace this idea of computer science as the uh, next wave, if you will, of STEM education or the, the next interpretation of what STEM education should mean. When I was in the classroom, we were looking at STEM as building bridges and building robots and had some very clear definitions of what STEM looked like. And now we've transitioned to this view of computer science. So 
to kind of circle back and answer your question more succinctly, for me, what's really exciting about computer science is the thinking that takes place within it. So as programming languages come and as they go, or as interpretations of which gizmos and gadgets are popular at the time change and evolve, then what stays the same and what continues to be worth spending time on is the sort of soft skills and the pieces that go into that, the computational thinking, for example, problem-based learning or project-based learning and really immersing students into a kind of learning that's deeply meaningful and then paves the way for them to develop these interests that they might end up really focused on computer programming and say, hey, you know, I learned this thing in middle school or high school and now I want to be a programmer. But even for the students who don't pursue programming as a career, every student can benefit from the development of these skills. So that really, for me, is what makes it worthwhile and worth talking about pulling it into schools in a very systemic manner. Yeah. I So um, we used to do, uh, before COVID, we did a basically a coding camp for middle school girls that was hosted by uh, my college at the communication college and, and, and uh, engineering and business. And one of the things that we observed during that coding camp, which unfortunately we have not been able to restart after COVID, but uh, one of the things we observed is that many of the young women who were coming to the camp uh, came, came to that camp wanting to learn about coding because of other interests. So they wanted to become an artist. Uh, they wanted to become a musician. Uh, they wanted to design video games uh, and things like that. And that was what brought them into coding, which I think is a lot of what you're saying, that it, it facilitates other passions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So w- when I read through um, some of the parts of the Ellipsis website, uh, there were there were two things that stood out to me as being what I would presume uh, would be assumptions that you would agree with. One is that computer science is something that can be infused across fields. Uh, so it's a field unto itself, but it's also relevant in other fields like uh, you know social studies, English, et cetera. I would also assume that you would say that computer science, in fact, I think you've already said this, can benefit from the types of professional development that takes place in other fields, uh, good teaching. Can you kind of elaborate on both of those points a little bit? Yeah, sure. So on the on the first point and this idea that computer science can be integrated into other disciplines, there's a bit of tension here. And, and I think it's worth talking about the pros and the cons. Lots of districts that we talk to are really excited about the idea of interdisciplinary computer science or an integrated view of computer science. And I'll tell you, I think the reason for that relates to the physical structures of the school day, that we only have so many classrooms, we only have so many hours, we only have so many educators. So there's a draw to do something new, computer science, but then there's the reality that we've got these existing structures and routines and we have to layer it into those. So that I think is really what's driving this idea of integrated computer science. And from my perspective, it's not a bad idea to do that. It's just that what we have to be careful of is that computer science has within it its own scaffolding and its Mm -hmm. own interdependencies. And when we start pulling it apart and assigning different pieces of it to different content area teachers, we run the risk of losing that. Mm -hmm. 
And we run the risk of um, letting the computer science development take a back seat to the understandings that are being developed for whatever is the core content area. Uh, so I say all that to say that's where the tension is coming from, that mm-hmm. we need to squeeze it into our existing structures and routines. So we are going to have to, in a way, be okay with and make some concessions around computer science. So all that said, it's not the best implementation of computer science. Truthfully, the best implementation of computer science is to treat it like a standalone discipline, mm-hmm. but to tie some of the projects back to the core content areas so that those reinforcing connections can be made very clear. Right, uh, b- before you go on, uh, do you have any examples that, uh, that you can think of off the top of your head where that that sort of connection back to the other uh, content areas, you know, it stands out as being really effective in your mind? Mm-hmm, sure. So one that pops up quite a bit, I, and I was a former science teacher. I taught eighth grade science uh, before making the jump to the commercial curriculum space, and so science examples always spring to mind. Uh, more quickly for me. So one one that jumps to mind is life cycles. So we see very often that the computer science coding environments, let's just say like a Scratch Junior or a Scratch, um, are, are thought of almost as a presentation tool. So kids might be learning about the life science, uh, the life cycle of, of an apple tree or a butterfly or whatever is the thing. And then they might go into their coding environment and code some sort of a presentation about that. So maybe it's a little story that tells about the life cycle of a butterfly. And so they're taking what they learned in science and then they are just using the coding environment as this place where they're demonstrating what they have learned. Um, So in that case, it's clear that the life science content is really what's important. And then the skill of coding within that coding environment is taking a supporting role Mm -hmm. in being able to demonstrate the learning from the science content. Um, The other way around then would be to think about what are the important computer science concepts that we want to lead with? And off the top of my head, um, let's just say we were really, really focused on loops. So this would still make a good connection to the life cycle because there is a repeating concept within the life cycle, you know, science ideas, but then there is a loop within the computer science concepts as well. So maybe in the alternative view, we spend time really studying loops. And then we say, gosh, what are some repeating patterns within science? Might be the life cycle. It might also be the lunar cycle, age level appropriate, of course. Um, But there are plenty of examples of cycles that repeat within science. So um, I, I use that as an example to say one is going to have to lead and one is going to have to follow. And what we're seeing more often than not is that we are letting the core content areas lead and the computer science follow. Mm-hmm. At what age do you think it's optimal to start introducing computer science? Uh, so, so, you know, from a scaffolding standpoint? Yeah, great question. So we believe that computer science should begin as early as kindergarten. In mm-hmm. fact, we are seeing many, many states who are coming on board with their own computer science standards are including computer science standards for kinder, first, second, And what we love about that 
is we've seen kids code before they can read. Wow. So they're just dragging little blocks around on a screen, right? So they're blocks mm -hmm. with little images that help us understand what that block might accomplish, such as a loop that's going to just look like a rounded arrow. And so the kids can drag those around on the screen iPads and they can develop pretty clear understanding of what the code blocks do, but also what happens when we string those code blocks together. And what I love about that is it's a really nice analog for what happens with words and stringing words together into a sentence. So in fact, we see kids coding before they can read. And what we pull from that is that by doing this so early, we are supporting early literacy. We are also supporting early numeracy and we're providing exposure to those soft skills, the critical thinking and the problem solving, and the list goes on and on. That will really help kids kind of decide if this is something they want to pursue deeper as they move into middle school or high school or even college and technical programs. Mm -hmm. One of the things that your company does uh, is, is to engage uh, with schools for professional development of faculty. I, I would assume that this is an area where it's difficult uh, for many districts to find faculty because, of course, this is a high demand job sector, right? And what are the strategies that you all use to try to help uh, faculty upskill or or train into being comfortable teaching this content? Yeah, so this is a really interesting intersection. In the K-5 space, we tend to have teachers who are very familiar with what constitutes best practice. They've, they've got pedagogy down, but they may be a little bit anxious around the computer science content that is new and unfamiliar to them. In the secondary space, we tend to see teachers more familiar with the content. Maybe they're coming out of industry, like you say, but they're struggling a little bit on what constitutes good instruction. So regardless of where an educator is on that spectrum, we have found that the approach that really works well is step-by-step -step lesson plans. So the teacher is able to anticipate everything that's going to happen within the lesson. They're provided with the questions that they need to ask, the kinds of responses they should be listening for, tips and tricks on how to pull out of students deeper insights, places to have meaningful discussion and attend to social emotional learning if that's a priority in their district or in their state. So there's a lot that comes from just having everything written out, you know, almost in black and white so that the teacher can follow along and have a really clear picture of what that lesson's going to look like when it goes successfully. Turning to the student side of this, uh, one of the challenges that that I I have a particular major inside my college, which is is more on the IT infrastructure side of computer science. So it's not it's not so much the um, traditional computer science curriculum that's in our engineering college, but but we teach people that want to become CIOs, for example, on how to how to manage networks. One of the challenges I've always had in trying to recruit students uh, into that major is that you know for a 16 or 17 year old uh, that we're visiting with um, even if they've had some computer science background uh, from their their high school experience or earlier uh, 
this is an intimidating language. It's an intimidating field, uh, despite the fact that, you know, we have excellent teachers and, and we can talk to them about what the careers are and why those careers are so lucrative. I'm wondering how you advise teachers uh, to help students envision possibilities for themselves in computer science when, I mean, let's face it, it's not the most warm, fuzzy topic, right? And so how do you get students excited about that, particularly when we know that especially a lot of female students will be interested in it initially, and then they'll start to lose interest during their middle school year. So a great example of a population where you would really want to encourage them along. How do you go about doing that? Sure. So within our curriculum, we actually have four types of lessons. So we've talked a bit about coding and what that looks like. But, you know, earlier I said we take a broad view Mm -hmm. of computer science. And one of the ways that we execute on that is to use these multiple lesson types. So the coding lessons, you know, kind of park those on the side for a moment. We also have unplugged lessons, which is where we sort of activate background knowledge. We use these to teach vocabulary and to develop sort of a conceptual understanding of programming concepts. And then we have digital citizenship lessons, which are exactly what they sound like. This is where we teach kids how to be safe while they're living and learning online. And then we have STEM careers lessons. So this goes all the way down to kindergarten. And within our K-5 courses, around 20% of the lessons within that grade level course will be STEM career lessons, which means that throughout the course of a school year, students are going to be exposed to probably 15 to 20 different careers. And then the the number stays the same as you move into middle school and high school. There's just more content there. So now, now they're getting more into coding and still have about 20 mm-hmm. STEM career lessons. So one of the ways that, that we approach those STEM career lessons in particular is we invite the students to step into a task that is very similar to what an adult working in that career would do. And again, we take a broad view of this. They're not just computery type jobs. They're not just the jobs you would think of, like computer programmer or game developer. Yes, those are all in there. But we've also got some careers like agriculture, aviation, machinery, the list goes on and on. And the reason is when we talk with districts, we're often hearing this very common theme, which is we've got this industry around us and it might be uh, the electronic vehicle industry. It might be, uh, I talked to somebody from Wyoming and they make the um, plastic ear tags that go on livestock animals. Mm -hmm. And those things are now having all kinds of technology built into them. So not just the traditional jobs that you would think of, but those jobs that are rooted in local industry, districts are loving that because they're able to give students a view of what it would look like to actually step into those jobs. And they're they're finding that that is very engaging and informing students as to which pathways they should choose when they get into middle school and high school. Yeah, it's really interesting. The uh, like the Internet of Things technologies that now encompass us just I mean, it just so leans into this that uh, there, there's a tremendous workforce potential. Mm-hmm. What, what What is your opinion? Well, I'm sure you have a lot of opinions on this because you're going to have to. How is AI going to affect, in your opinion, the way that we 
teach about computer science, given that that clearly is going to be one of the industries, as, as are many, that will be disrupted because of AI technologies? Yeah, so this question is coming up an awful lot. So I've, I've had some time to really think about what my opinion on this is. And, you know, I think it's something for us to keep an eye on. As a curriculum developer, my responsibility is to make sure that we're covering off on the standards that have been adopted by the states for each grade level. And I'm starting to hear that some of the standard sets will be updated to address more overtly concepts related to AI. Mm-hmm. I don't really know what that's going to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so what I tend to think about is there's three categories here. We've got to think about how we teach about AI And that's the thing that we will wait for guidance from our standards to shed some light onto. And then we have to think about how we teach with AI and knowing that it is out there and knowing that our students have access to it. How does that shape and influence what we as educators do? And then the third piece of that is how do we as a business use AI to drive efficiencies inside of our operation? So that middle piece there, uh, how we teach with AI, is the one that's on my mind the most right Mm -hmm. now. And and the thing that I keep coming back to time after time after time is that, you know, yes, we will have to teach students how to be effective and ethical with AI being the, the new shiny object. But what we can't turn away from, because it's absolutely our responsibility as educators, is to make sure that we are not outsourcing our you know, professional responsibilities to AI and that we are harnessing that as a tool to drive efficiencies and to be effective, but that we are also continuing to teach students how to think. Because while AI might be able to write a program for us, it won't be able to think for us. So I'm convicted by the need today, forever, and always to focus on students thinking and preparing them to be really, you know, objective thinkers, to be able to find the right information, use the right information to to make their decisions and to develop their, you know, their action plans as they are using AI to, to do different tasks. Yeah, I really like how you broke that down. It it, it actually is very reminiscent of, of how my faculty are talking about AI. I mean, going back to, I don't know, January when the initial instinct was, oh my goodness, you know, what are we going to do when students are using this in class uh, to over the summer thinking about how do we intentionally use it as a tool? Uh, and then, as you said, think critically about that use. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's going to be... Uh, well, it's going to become a new skill for all of us. I mean, I think that many of us are already using parts of AI in, in, in various aspects of our workflow. Uh, and uh, it's going to be something that certainly relates to computer science uh, in the sense that I think many of us assume that computer science is going to be sort of the doorway for AI to continue to progress. Uh, and I think that's really fascinating. So when when you engage with a, uh, a district, um, I know that you have curriculum products and you also have professional development products. Um, What's it like for a district to sort of work out um, a relationship with you uh, in terms of, you know, how, what what are the most common objectives that people come to you with and and how do you try to meet those? Yeah. Every district is in a slightly different place. Um, 
when when we are beginning a partnership with the district, it's very important for un- for us to understand their goals, especially as that relates to the the backdrop of the national legislative landscape. So every state is coming on board with computer science in a, a different time frame and with different uh, statutes in place. And so districts are navigating that and, and they are feeling the pressure to comply with their legislative mandates while also facing the reality, you know, what we talked about a little bit earlier with just the constraints in a district, the set number of hours in a school day, the set number of staff members, the devices that they have in place. So there really is just this conversation that has to happen for us to have a clear picture of what success looks like for them. And then we kind of backwards design and co-construct a solution with them through that, that process of forming a partnership. You know, some of the things that we talk about are high school graduation requirements. That's very often one of the first policies that states will put in place as they're developing out their strategy for computer science. So most districts will say, okay, we've been doing high school computer science for a couple of years now due to a legislative mandate, but what we're finding is that students aren't prepared. And so they'll want to then look at middle school. How can we shape something in middle school that will give all of our students exposure to these concepts and then better prepare them to decide if they want to enter these courses when they get into high school or which of our courses they should take when they get into high school to satisfy a graduation requirement? You know, and then the next thing that happens after that is they say, gosh, it would be really great to give this to all of our students in K-5. So in many cases, the high school graduation requirement is the first thing that gets talked about. And then districts kind of build their strategy downwards all the way to K-5 to better build their pipeline for that high school course. We've also got districts who are coming at it from the opposite direction. Mississippi, for example, now has a legislative mandate that says every student needs that there's got to be computer science available for all campuses K-5. So they're scrambling to figure out what that looks like. And because there's so much local decision making involved, it might be a specials rotation where they're going to see students one day a week for 30 minutes. It might be something that they're going to do within their math classes. We talked about that integrated model a little earlier, mm-hmm. where maybe they're just going to do it once every other week or something like that. So there's a tremendous amount of variability with how districts are looking at things. And that's why it's so, so important for us to really get to know what their vision for computer science looks like so that we can make a recommendation for and advocate for a system that's going to work well for their needs. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I think the last question I have over the this season of Teaching Matters and, and in the previous season, we've had a handful of guests on that come from what I guess what I would describe as being alternative uh, type of schools. So some some folks coming out of career and technical centers, um, other folks out of um, what you might think of as themed magnet schools. Do, have you, as you've sort of assessed the landscape of computer science instruction, do you find that one model versus another tends to be more common? I don't want to talk about effectiveness because I think that's a whole different can of worms, but do you find that computer science tends to orient more towards uh, specialized alternative schools or is it, you know, just pretty dependent upon the district? 
you know, it's mostly dependent on the district. That said, I, I will offer a caveat here, which is that the schools who have adopted STEM as their main instructional paradigm, they tend to have the right things in place. They tend to already have, for example, a STEM lab where students are already going one day a week. And so that's a nice place to to put the curriculum in. Uh, They tend to already have a little bit of a mindset also that, you know, STEM is important. And so in those situations, it's a little bit of a lower entry to computer science versus a more traditional school who will still, you know, without question, these campuses and districts understand the value of computer science and they are looking for ways to make it actionable and realistic. They just have to really think about what their unique strategy is going to be given all of the competing priorities and demands. Whitney, are there any questions that I haven't asked you that you were excited to talk about? You know, I, I think earlier you talked about or you you asked about the uh, the landscape as it relates to our curriculum versus, you know, maybe how others are interpreting that. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things I just want to drill down to a little bit more, if it's okay, is the the idea or the belief that we have that computer science should be taught. Um, and, and I'm not sure that we got that so-so covered yeah, off on. Please, please go ahead. Yeah, sure. So with with respect to our paradigm around computer science, we believe that computer science should be taught. So what we're really trying to do there is create a bit of a fork in the road that says, okay, there are options for computer science. So one option is to either give students what we call gizmos and gadgets and let them explore and let them play, or even put them in front of a computer and click through a variety of learning resources. Maybe there's a little video that they watch. Maybe there is a quick little coding activity that they drag and drop. And at the end of that, they might take a short assessment check the box, yes or no, the learning outcomes were met. So those are all in the category of maybe student-led. And then for us, our curriculum is a bit different in that it's intended to be teacher-led. So we believe that computer science should benefit from the same high-quality instruction that you would see in the Mm -hmm. other content areas. It's just nobody's really sussed out what that looks like yet. And so this is an area where we are putting a stake in the ground, and we are are claiming that high-quality computer science instruction looks like taking what we know works well in teaching and learning and bringing it into the computer science classroom. So to that Mm -hmm. end, what our curriculum does is it provides the educator with everything that they need, including their lesson plans that are written to be very step-by-step, their pacing guides, scope and sequence documents, standards alignment documentation, all of their student-facing worksheets, assessments, anchor charts, and you just name it. Anything that you would need to be confident in your classroom is going to be included within our curriculum so that teachers are empowered to teach computer science in their classrooms. I appreciate that. I I think that... um as as we in you know higher education are thinking about things like AI, I, I the way you sort of describe that fork in the road, I think is a great analogy for what 
many of us are confronting um, with respect to AI disruption, you can either, you know, lean into it and do it well, um, or you can assume that the students will figure it out, you know, along the way, um, just like everyone else sort of is. Uh, and I think you're right that being more intentional, I think, is inevitably going to lead to better outcomes. So I, I applaud the the stance that you're taking on that. Yeah, thank you. And and I think that is an interesting parallel to what do we do about AI. I will say the other place that that pops up sometimes is when we talk about what happened with remote learning during COVID. And we mm -hmm. saw so many curricular resources that were very much student-led. The same idea, the student gets on the computer and they click through the modules and they take the little quiz at the end. And those had a purpose, and, and I'm sure they always will have a purpose, but the question we are asking ourselves is, is that what we want computer science to look like? And okay. for us, the answer is no. We want computer science to look like your very best math class and your very best science classroom where the teacher is standing in and they are delivering high-impact instruction. Wendy, it's been great getting a chance to meet you, and I, I wish you well as the new academic year has opened up, and uh, I'm sure that you're uh, busy because of that. Yeah, yes, very busy, but we're <laughs> loving it. We're having a great time, and we're really enjoying the space that we're in. Very good. My guest today was Dr. Whitney Dove. She's CEO of Ellipsis Education. We'll have links to uh, information about her and Ellipsis and the text accompanying the podcast. Our audio engineer and associate producer is Adam Rich. Our assistant producers are April Costa and Trinity Sweet. I'm your host, Scott Titsworth. Thanks for listening to Teaching Matters. And if you want to reach out to the podcast, you can simply email Teaching Matters Podcast, all one word, Teaching Matters Podcast at ohio.edu. Or, of course, you can contact us on Facebook or Instagram. Thanks for listening, and we hope you all have a great day.